Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Roger Kaysen, a fourth-year resident at Duke University. Roger is originally from Oklahoma City, went to college at the University of Miami and at Oklahoma City University, and completed medical school at the University of Oklahoma. He's interested in breast reconstruction, surgical education, and tissue engineering. Roger, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to be here. So I'd love to start by hearing about the overall structure of your program at Duke. Duke is a six-year program that takes three residents per year. So we have a cohort of 18 residents. The overall experience, just to, to kind of give you the basic overview year by year, we have our interns. We'll have four months dedicated to plastic surgery. And then each year as you progress, we do more and more plastic surgery. So as a PGY2, six months, our plastic surgery with four of those on our main reconstructive service. One is on burn and one is on hand. And then from PGY3 on, it's pretty much all plastic surgery. As a PGY3, there is one month that you do uh, breast oncology, which you're basically assisting with mastectomies and, um, and lumpectomies, which is a very valuable rotation, but the rest of it is uh, some form of plastic surgery. And then four through six is, is all plastics. And what are some of the different places that you rotate at? So we have several. Our uh, busiest service is our what we call our Duke North service. It's in the main Duke Hospital in uh, Durham, North Carolina. And this is where we do the majority of our microsurgery, our general reconstruction. We do a lot of breast there. We do head and neck there. Any hand trauma that comes through. During the day or overnight gets done by that service. And as I said, it's very busy. So it's it's our largest service. So on um on staff, we typically have an intern, PGY2, a PGY3, and a PGY4, and then we have a chief, which is a PGY6. We have a separate service, which um, I'll refer to as CMF from now on. It CMF refers to craniomaxillofacial. And that kind of encompasses uh, the pediatric service. So Dr. Zalori and Dr. Marcus, who do the cleft lips and palates and the congenital surgeries. And then uh, Dr. Powers, who is primarily trauma. As a PGY-3 and a PGY-5, you will rotate on this CMF service and do basically anything from the neck up. We do have a VA. We're lucky to have that, which is just across the street. So it's an easy walk. As a PGY-4 and a PGY-6, you will do this rotation, and it is a little bit of everything, and it's a great rotation because um, the autonomy is fantastic. It is resident-run, resident-run clinics, resident-run operating rooms. We do everything, but there definitely is a focus on breast. There's quite a bit of hand, particularly arthritis and compression neuropathies, and then we do some body contouring and aesthetic surgery there as well. Our newest rotation is Raleigh. Uh, Duke has a hospital in Raleigh, which is about, a, depending on traffic, about a 20 to 25 minute drive. And um, this is where we have Dr. Clancy and Dr. Rezac. And the primary focus of our Raleigh rotation is we do breast, including now we're doing breast microsurgery there. We do transgender, and then we also do lymphedema. 
And there's one resident there per month as a PGY-4, which is fantastic because that means it's just you and the attendings doing these uh, microsurgery or these lymphedema cases. So it's a, it's a great addition to our program. We're very excited about it. And then um, we have an ambulatory surgery center, which is across the street, as well as an aesthetic center, which is just a short drive away. Just to clarify, most of the places you rotate at, the VA, the main Duke North Hospital, and the ambulatory center are all kind of right near each other. And just Raleigh is the one that has a bit of a commute, but you're exclusively on it for a month at a time. Exactly right. So when you're on Raleigh, it, it is a little more of a commute, but you're out of the call pool. So you're not trying to run back home to take call here in Durham. And we actually do not see hand or face trauma in Raleigh. So you'll not be getting up in the middle of the night, driving 20, 25 minutes to Raleigh to go see a hand infection or something like that. So um, that is considered kind of privileged time where you drive to Raleigh, you focus on Raleigh, and it's worth your time because you are the only resident, no fellows, nothing like that, and you are doing the cases. So we do understand that it's a drive and it's a sacrifice, but it's definitely worth it. What area or areas of plastic surgery would you say that residents come out feeling like they've had the strongest experience in? I feel like at Duke, it's it's all there. And as you progress through your years, you can kind of explore further what you think you might be interested in, whether that's breast, microsurgery, even head and neck, craniofacial. It is all there. Now, having said that, historically, we've been a big microsurgery program and we've had the flap course for I think it's going on 18 years now. So we do a lot of flaps, we do a lot of breast, and we do a lot of hand. So I would say coming out of the program, you would be pretty proficient at uh, most breast surgery, at microsurgery, and at hand. And are there any independent residents or fellows at your program? I feel like one of our biggest assets, and this was important to me when I was interviewing, was that we do not have any fellows. So we also don't have any independent residents. It's 18 all integrated residents. We have no fellows. That being said, orthopedics does have two hand surgery fellows. There can be some overlap sometimes with uh, call cases, but for the most part, the hand surgery cases do belong to us that come when we're on call. Microsurgery, no fellows, which is huge, meaning, um, you know, I sometimes found that, you know, fellows can be very useful and, and that they provide an extra layer of teaching, but sometimes it can also knock everyone down a peg. So instead of the chief and the four doing microsurgery, now it's the fellow and the chief, you know. So I do feel like we have ample opportunity. And if there's multiple flaps going in a day as a two or a three, you might be doing the micro. And what are the research expectations like at Duke? The bare minimum, and we don't really hold people to this just because it's typically not an issue, but I think in our contract it says we have to have you know one project per year. Typically, with the amount of opportunities that we have, um, residents have more than that. I don't think we've ever had to like enforce that on any resident. But at the same time, there are varying uh, levels of resident involvement in research, depending on your goals. We have some residents with multiple grants. Um, we have some residents who are really focusing on basic science research. We have some residents that uh, might do just a handful of projects every year. 
it's really kind of up to what you want and what your future career aspirations are. And what kind of support is available for presenting your research? Our policy is from intern to chief, any research that you get accepted for a podium presentation at any meeting, you will be fully funded to go present it. And by fully funded, I don't mean like plane ticket and your registration cost. I mean like your Uber, your meals, $50 per day for meals, everything but alcohol, but literally everything is funded. So you can walk away paying very, very little, um, which is nice. When you're in your senior years for PGY4 through PGY6, the same rule applies. Anything you get accepted, you can go and present, but you also get a free major and minor meeting regardless of presenting anything. So major meetings are typically big national meetings, ASRM, ASPS, things like that. Minor meetings are the more regional meetings. We have a lot of residents who are involved in Southeastern Society of Plastic Surgery, North Carolina Society, four, five, and six. You can go to those uh, without having to present research. In addition to the meetings you also get to go to with research. Rarely will you want to go to a meeting that you don't get to go to. Are there any opportunities more so in the senior years to choose your own electives? Yes. Starting your fifth year, we have dedicated elective blocks, and those are very flexible. So it can be anything from doing away rotations to go basically like you would do a sub-I, although unfortunately you guys listening to this will not be able to do sub-I's, but basically go do an away rotation at a place you might be interested in doing a fellowship. You can use that to go on a mission, or you can use that to get extra time on our current rotation. So we've had residents in the past who are interested in hand, so they use their elective time to do additional hand rotations. They use their additional time to do additional craniofacial rotations, so we do have set out elective blocks. I would say overall, there is some fluidity to the schedule. Obviously, there's core rotations, which are particularly in the first three years. But once you decide what you want to do, our program is very good about kind of tailoring your schedule to a certain extent. I mean, obviously, you have to do your time on Duke North and your hand time, but tailoring your schedule to get you the exposure you need, to get you the networking you need, to go to the meetings you need to go to, to uh, set you up for whatever it is you want to do. And how many months specifically is that during the fifth year and during the sixth year? The way we do it is your fifth year, you have one month of elective and you have two months of research. And again, that's pretty malleable um, that time. So if you wanted to arrange something out of state or you wanted to set up other rotations, you could, you could use that time to do that. Your chief year, you have four months that's dedicated to aesthetic. Obviously, there are certain things you, you do need to do in that rotation. But again, that's also a pretty flexible rotation if you were to want to spend time doing something else. Kind of going off that with the aesthetic experience, you have those dedicated four months during your chief year. Is there like a resident clinic, things like that? There definitely is good aesthetic exposure at Duke. I would say that amongst all the categories, comparing it to microsurgery, breast, hand, craniofacial, it, it's probably one of our weaker 
exposures. Having said that, it is there and you do get a good experience if that's what you want. We have several adjunct professors that you can spend your, uh, your elective time with um, in the community. And we also actually recently just hired on um, Dr. Lauren Rosenfield, who's a aesthetic plastic surgeon in San Francisco. And so we're going to try and set up opportunities for residents to go who want to go uh, work with him for a couple weeks in San Francisco. In addition to our adjunct faculty, uh, you know, Dr. Marcus, who's our division chief, was the immediate past president of the Rhinoplasty Society. So he has quite a bit of rhinoplasty, so we get a very good exposure to that. Um, We have several adjunct professors in the community who do a lot of facelifts, so we get exposure to that. The cosmetic breast are primary services, the Duke North service and the Raleigh service and um, cases at the ambulatory surgery center do give us good exposure to cosmetic breast. And you mentioned it is possible to take some of your elective time for something like a mission trip. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yes. So mission trips are something that are very much welcomed by our, our faculty. Dr. Marcus is actually the resident director of Operation Smile. So he is a great resource should you be interested in pursuing that. He can typically set residents up with trips. Obviously, when those trips are scheduled, it can be very variable. And in my experience with residents that we've had who wanted to go on mission trips, they don't always have to fall right on the elective. We're, our program director is very good about kind of moving things around and making things work. So if global health, mission trips, things like that are something you're interested in, We definitely have opportunities. Dr. Marcus is a great connection for that. And that is something that we do promote. You also briefly touched on the opportunity to have some exposure to gender-affirming surgery at Raleigh. Can you talk a little bit more about that experience? So gender affirmation is something that just in the past year we've started getting into. And and Dr. Kristen Rezac, who we hired, I think, two years ago, she still does some surgeries in Durham, but is is almost primarily in Raleigh. She is trying to build a gender affirmation service. So right now, she does quite a bit of top surgery. She does not do any bottom surgery yet. That is the goal of our program, is to start doing bottom surgery. Unfortunately, with COVID and the way things have been the past couple months, it's put a delay on that. But that is in our part of our program's goals. And is moonlighting possible during your training years? Moonlighting is not possible. Are there any particularly awesome perks about your program you'd like to share? I think there's a ton. More materialistic things, I would say that we get uh, food stipends. So every evening at 6 p.m., I want to say, you get, they're, they're always increasing the price kind of adjusting for inflation, I guess. But I think the most recent one was $8.75, $8.75 put onto your Duke ID card. And you can use that for whatever you want in the cafeteria or in the Starbucks or in Subway. And that stays on there until six the next morning. So if you're coming early for rounds, which is when I typically will use it, you can stop by Starbucks or somewhere and, and get breakfast. We have a beautiful hospital. And within that hospital, we have for plastic surgery residents, we have two lounges, which to me, I think is very important, a place to be centralized for the team to collect their thoughts, kind of get away from the grind of what's going on outside, kind of have your your private spaces is, is 
very important to me. And we have one that's right near the operating rooms that has a couple of couches, flat screen TV, bunch of computers, a stocked refrigerator. And then we have one that is near our resident library near our offices, which is a little further out of the way in a place called Duke South, which is the original hospital. If you're really trying to kind of get away, it's about a five minute walk and very quiet area. And that's where all of our textbooks are. We have a couple computers and then the faculty are right around there too. So if you hang out there, they'll walk by and you can kind of chit chat with them, which can be fun. Something that, that people get excited about. I think it's pretty cool. We do have custom scrubs. We were one of the first services in the hospital to do that. And now like vascular surgery, cardiothoracic surgery. So at first they kind of made fun of us and now they're all doing it. So I feel like we were kind of trendsetters in that regard. Loops is something that I feel like we always get asked about. And it is important because loops are not cheap. As soon as you are a Duke plastic surgery resident, you can arrange for whatever company you want. So Designs Revision is the one that a lot of people typically use, but Surgitel is another. And the rep will come and you get fitted and you can get whichever loops you want. So that's typically a, a 2.5 magnification at that level. That's kind of the, the most utilitarian form. And then when you're a PGY3, you can get uh, 3.5 X loops. And the reason we, we kind of delay that is once you're a PGY3, you're getting ready to go to your Raleigh rotation. And Dr. Rezac prefers to do micro with loops. And so when you do micro with loops, obviously two fives, I've tried it, it's hard. So the three fives definitely help. So, so once you're a PGY3, you'll then have two fives and three fives, which I don't know how universal that is amongst programs. I think that's pretty cool. Depending on what you do, if you decide you want to go into the community and do microsurgery, I think it's, it's very helpful to be able to do both because you never know what the facility you're going to be operating at is going to have. Another one of the big perks that I think we have access to at Duke is the fact that Duke very much puts a premium on our education. And I think Duke wants to be seen as a leader in education. I alluded to the FLAP course earlier, but the, the Duke FLAP course is something that um, this year would have been the 18th year. We're going virtual this year, which, which will be um, actually be awesome. But it was something that was started several years ago by Scott Levin, and then Michael Zinn took over, and now it's under the leadership of, of Scott Hollenbeck and Detlev Erdman. And it is an awesome course that as residents we get to go to every year, so for six years, which I can tell you, I promise you, no other resident in the country gets to go to the Duke Flop course for six years. In addition to incredible instruction, one of the biggest benefits is the networking. So there's kind of the, a similar cast of people that come each year, and they're typically influential people in the microsurgery realm. So it's very nice to be able to rub shoulders with them, kind of hang out with them, um, learn from them, and then you know get to know them. So when it comes time to apply for fellowships or kind of the next stage in your career, they can say that they know you. Piggybacking off of, of that, we host our flap course in uh, something we call the Human Fresh Tissue Lab. It's essentially an anatomy lab, but we use fresh cadavers that are latex injected. So the surgical planes are preserved. They're very high quality. They don't have that formaldehyde stink to them. And one thing that's really cool is the Human Fresh Tissue Lab is actually owned and operated by the Division of Plastic Surgery. So not Duke School of Medicine, not 
division of, you know, Department of Surgery, it is our fresh tissue lab. So you have access to it whenever you want. So if you have a difficult case coming up that you want to practice for, uh, you can email one of the coordinators and they'll get you an arm or a leg or something that you can practice the night before or the week before, which is an incredible resource. Dr. Hollenbeck and uh, Justin Sachs from Hopkins have also created something called the Breast Oncologic Reconstruction Course, which the flap course is more kind of how to elevate the flap and the dissection of the flap. The oncologic reconstruction course is, okay, now you have the flap, what do you do with it? You know, how do you inset the fibula? How do you inset the deep flap? We first started off rotating between Hopkins and Duke, and now we've added on a bunch of new programs. So we're just rotating each year different places. Any resident that would like to attend that would get fully funded to go attend that program. It's a lot of fun. I went one year. Dr. Powers hosts the CMF trauma course. And in addition to doing like a sawbones lab on just artificial skulls, we also on the last two days have access to in our uh, fresh tissue lab. Each group will get their own head to practice surgical approaches, plating, things like that. Dr. Powers also runs, he's a, a was trained in the military and spent some time in the military. So he runs an AO ballistics trauma course, which any resident that wants to go attend that gets to attend that. I have not gone to that, but the residents I've spoken to who've gone to that said it was awesome. I think the Fresh Tissue Lab and all those different courses definitely highlights the fact that we are not just kind of this forward-moving machine that just tries to churn out cases, that we are actually a program with faculty that are dedicated to teaching residents. That's something that I think they would want all the applicants to take home. And having spent four years in this program, that's something that I can confidently say to applicants that you are here to be taught. You're not like a big cog in this huge wheel that's turning regardless if you're there or not. It is a personalized program for you. You have name dropped, you know, a number of your fantastic faculty. Could you specifically just go back and tell us a little bit more about your program leadership? So Jeffrey Marcus is our division chief, and he's actually our program director right now. Brett Phillips is our associate program director. He's more of the boots on the ground guy. Dr. Marcus has been at Duke for over 20 years, and he's a craniofacial surgeon who also does some facial cosmetic surgery, prior chair of the Rhinoplasty Society, and I think one of his passions is rhinoplasty. He ascended to the chief role uh, about three years ago and has been just an outstanding leader. Uh, one cool thing about Dr. Marcus is that he was trained himself in an integrated program. So he, he gets the important aspects of being an integrated program. He understands that general surgery is a good fundamental principle for juniors to learn, but he's also progressive in the fact that, you know, at some point you need to start seeing plastic surgery. In the days of PGY3s and PGY4s still doing, you know, X-laps, uh, he understands that there's not a whole lot of utility to that. So um, I think our curriculum definitely reflects his history and being an integrated program and his desire to be a progressive program. Dr. Phillips was actually a graduate of Duke. He came to us two years ago. He graduated from Duke Plastic Surgery, did a micro fellowship at MD Anderson, and is a great leader. He's developed a very solid rapport with all the residents. He's a very approachable guy and is just kind of set an outstanding standard for a leader who truly cares for his residents. 
After that, we have uh, other fantastic surgeons at our program. We have Scott Hollenbeck. We have Howard Levinson, who is the past president of PSRC. We have Alexandra Lori. I talked about um, David Powers. I talked about our faculty in Raleigh. David Brown, who's also one of our newer hires. He's 25% clinical, 75% research. So he heads our basic science research. In total, we have, I want to say, 16 full-time faculty. So that's not including adjunct. That's people who are at the hospital every day. Compared to 18 residents, that's a pretty good ratio. And now thinking more about the relationships amongst the residents, can you speak a bit to what the relationship with the residents is like both at work and outside of work? So the thing that attracted me to Duke when I came to interview here, Duke was my second to last interview and I did not rotate here. And I thought I had my rank list set. I came and what really struck me on interview day and at the pre-interview social was how the residents interacted with each other. It was a group of people who I could tell were genuinely friends, seemed like normal people, seemed like people I could get along with and seemed like people that would have my back if I came here. And they were people who bled blue. I mean, they were just Duke through and through. And I love that. And they were proud of the program. So I think one of the biggest strengths at Duke are the residents that we have and the culture that we have as residents. Being a surgical resident is a huge commitment and a huge sacrifice. There are years in your residency where you might spend more waking hours at the hospital than at home. And so being able to go to the hospital and work with people that you truly and sincerely enjoy and people that you'd probably be hanging out with anyways, even if you weren't at work, makes it much easier and much more enjoyable and is fantastic for morale. I would say right now, all of my best friends are co-residents. So they're, they're people that I'm not just saying, oh yeah, you know, we get along, you know, yes, we, we enjoy each other. We're actually friends. We're, we're a very close-knit group and we have a great time in and out of the hospital. And I, I can't imagine being at a place where we were just work colleagues. Um, that, that would be very tough. Diving a little bit more into how residents live. So do most residents choose to own or rent? In Durham, it's whatever you want. Durham is a college town, although I guess you can consider many cities up and coming, quote, quote, uh, nowadays, but, but it's considered an up and coming t uh, city, but it is a college town. So anything you want, you can have. Uh, we have residents who have lofts downtown. We have residents who rent townhomes. We have residents like myself who bought houses. My wife and I live in a great house. It's the first time I've been a homeowner. I love being a homeowner. You know, we have a dog, we have a front yard, a backyard, we have a vegetable garden. It's great. So whatever you're looking for, you can afford in Durham. Are most residents married and some have kids or are there some single residents? What's kind of the mix there? Again, we, we have everything. Marriage is half and half. I think it's almost right down the middle. Um, half are married, half are not. Kids, we have four residents with kids, and two of those have multiple kids. So again, whatever you're looking for. If you want to come and stay single, plenty of people are single. If you want to come and get married, plenty of people are married. If you want to come and have kids, we support that. 
So it is very much an inclusive environment and we have a little bit of everything, which is great. And is it necessary to have a car in Durham? It is necessary to have a car. Having said that, traffic is not an issue. Getting around Durham, it's kind of like where I grew up in Oklahoma City. You can get anywhere in 10 minutes, which is nice. Just about wherever you live in Durham, if you live in the city limits, you can get to the hospital in under 15 minutes. So I can get from my house to the operating room in about eight minutes. That could be a priority to some people. It might not seem that big of a deal. I know when when I was interviewing at programs, I had initial expectations of places I might want to live. And as I thought more and more about it and talked to more and more people, I realized that in your late 20s and early 30s, trying to navigate residency, your time is precious. And when I'm not working, I would like to be doing something that, that I want to do. And that does not include sitting in traffic. That does not include being on the metro, um, commuting, things like that. So one of the aspects that I think is a huge plus of Durham and the Triangle is that there's affordability and there's convenience. On the flip side, it's not Manhattan. So if that's the type of place you're looking for, um, I'm not going to sell you on Durham that it's the next Los Angeles or Manhattan or San Francisco. It is not. What I will say is Durham itself is a very vibrant community. It's obviously has you know, Duke University, but there's a big burgeoning biotech industry here. And that's due to the fact that Research Triangle Park is in Durham. And Research Triangle Park is actually the biggest research park in the world. It's bigger than uh, Silicon Valley. And so it's, it's brought a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of young biotech and tech employees to this area. I think I mentioned it earlier, the concept of the triangle. I understand that some applicants may not understand what the triangle is. So Durham, Raleigh, and Chapel Hill form somewhat of a triangle. And they call it the Research Triangle because in Durham, there's Duke, in uh, Chapel Hill, there's UNC, and in Raleigh, there's NC State, three big research institutions. What that means for an applicant that would come and live here is you have three cities to choose from. I always kind of liken it to the different overarching themes of, of the city. So Durham is very much kind of a grassroots, hipster, foodie type community a little rough around the edges, which I personally enjoy. Chapel Hill is like your quintessential college town. It's a lot of fun. Definitely has its charm. It's smaller than Durham, but but it is a, a great city that has a lot going for it. Raleigh is the biggest city of the three of them, and it's the, the capital of North Carolina. And it's more urban, so it has more of the you know nightlife, if that's what you're looking for. Definitely has a different feel. So if you ever wanted to kind of go for a more city feel, Raleigh is very accessible and you can drive there and check that out. So there's a lot to choose from. There's different flavors, whatever you're looking for. But at the end of the day, I don't know of any residents in our program who don't love Durham and the Triangle. So I think that's about everything I wanted to talk about today. Do you have any thoughts either about your program or about choosing your residency in general? It's hard to give a whole lot of advice. I mean, one thing I love doing is talking with sub-eyes and giving them advice, things that I learned, things that, that worked for me or my friends and didn't work for me and my friends. But 
unfortunately, the way things are now, it's kind of an unprecedented situation where I think we're, we're kind of in this with the applicants. It's hard to tell you too much of, you know, the do's and don'ts because this has never happened before. What I can say is that uh, myself and Duke are trying to take as active of a role as we can to expose our program to prospective applicants, to kind of give them an idea of what our program is like, a taste of the culture here, a taste of the way the residents are. And we're currently working on that. If any applicants would like to reach out to any of the residents, they absolutely can. Um, so first you can go to our website. It is plastic.surgery at duke.edu. And you can look at the list of residents and they can reach out to any resident. It's going to be first name dot last name at duke.edu. So if they would like to reach out to me, it's roger.cason at duke.edu. And I'm not just saying this to be nice. Um, I welcome any questions, any comments. If anybody wants further information, they can reach out to me anytime. I'll get back to you within a day. And then probably I mentioned our website, which is actually a very good website. It has a lot of information. It's up to date. We do realize that that is very important. But probably the the medium to get the most up-to-date information would be our Instagram. You can follow us at Duke Plastic Surgery. If you really want to dive into it, you can also follow the Flap Course at Duke Flap Course. We would love to see you. We would love to hear from you. That's all. I mean, I wish everyone good luck. And uh, we're all in this together, I feel like. And if there's any way I can be of help, just let me know. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.